Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. Since the beginning of this year, RegWatch has been reporting on the situation concerning the United States Postal Service and the implementation of a new law that bans the shipment of all nicotine vaping products via U.S. mail. The vape mail ban, as it's so called by the industry, could have a devastating impact on tobacco harm reduction in the United States. Joining us today to talk about the vape mail ban and to learn about the fight to undo it is Tammy Wall, a food and drug law attorney with a government affairs firm in Washington, D.C. Tammy, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Brent. So, Tammy, before we dive into, you know, all this legal stuff and vape mail, please tell our viewers a bit more about your background. What type of clients and projects have you worked on? Essentially, I'm a lobbyist in D.C., and this is one of my issues. I've worked in the natural products industry, so that means the broader botanical industry, the cannabis, the hemp space, a lot in the tech space as well. And so this particular issue I've been working on since earlier this year, and we're just going to do everything we can to make sure those as many vape shops can stay open as possible. So you know the pressure points in Washington then? Well, in I mean, it is a beast. D.C. is definitely a beast. And yes, and, and probably even, I mean, the world can see some of those pressure points as you and I are chatting today and that in light of the recent events as well. And um, D.C. has been, it's always you know, it's always a, um, you know, the power seat right there. But over the last several years, it's really been quite dynamic as we see some of these long-standing institutions, establishments, and the the standard way of doing things have really been turned upside down or at least a little sideways, which is which is exciting because there are opportunities to do things differently. So let's dive into the vape mail issue. What exactly is it in your mind? Oh, well, uh, and you're and and um, and I'll try to remove some of my personal opinions about this because I uh, I think regulation is one thing, but it also needs to be appropriate and balanced. And so when any kind of when the laws come out or when laws are being proposed, and then certainly when they're standing up with the different rules and regulations, it's always important to ask what is the end game? What is the goal of this legislation or these rules? Because things can become overcomplicated. Um, very easily, which is why we have bureaucracy to the nth degree. And so this particular, uh, the piece of legislation and the rules that you and I are going to be discussing, though they were framed as a means to keep these types of devices out of youth and out of the hands of minors. Maybe you can explain this a little bit. There was this huge bill. It was a COVID stimulus bill, over 5,000 pages. This was late, late last year, so in December 2020. And it was kind of tucked in there, just a few lines. Yep, no, that's exactly right. And you know, the um, the and it was a bipartisan, uh, a, a Republican senator and a Democrat senator that wanted this included. And so there were conversations on the Hill about this language prior to being included in that package, um, and there were negotiations on what that language should actually look like. And so. Uh, needless to say, the negotiations I don't think were very successful, and the it you know it was a a very um, long-standing senator out of California and the same out of Texas that wanted this language, and this is the language that we have now. So essentially, let's get into the definition in a second here. But what this did do was take uh, nicotine vaping products and basically pull them into the definition for tobacco products, kind of wrapped up into tobacco and then that triggered that it got 
tacked into the PACT Act, which then triggers the UPS, the United States Postal Service, and then prevents the shipment of these products. Do I have that correct? You absolutely have that correct. And it's very much that domino effect. So um, the language that was included, the December 2020 language, um, it was designed to include these modern vape devices into tobacco regulations. And so interestingly, stateside, uh, you know, tobacco wasn't really regulated on the federal level until about 2009, 2010. And so we have a couple of statutes from that time frame that this language brought in. So it was all tobacco related, all nicotine related statutes referencing this. Um, and, I, and I think we'll, we'll eventually get onto it. Uh, the type of work that I'm doing on this bill, it's in addition, in addition to tobacco and nicotine. But, but you're absolutely correct. The, um, so to subject electronic nicotine delivery systems to certain of the tobacco regulations, which include mailing restrictions. And, and of course, those mailing restrictions would only apply to the United States Postal Service. But, and, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but I mean, we're seeing uh, private carriers and common carriers adopting these practices as well. And that's been the challenge for vape shops. So there's a definition that kind of already existed. So now it's in the hands of the United States Postal Service. They have to take this law, turn it into basically a rule, promulgate the rule, and then enforce it, right? And so that was supposed to have already have happened. And the, the deadlines do matter to the extent that um, we're well past them and things are kind of held up and we're in limbo. Part of that process was the definitions of an ENDS product. And so there was an existing ENDS definition. And let me read this to you. Under that definition, an ENDS is any electronic device that through an aerosolized solution delivers nicotine flavor or any other substance to the user inhaling from the device. So examples include e-cigarettes, e-hookahs, e-cigars, vape pens, advanced refillable personal, personal vaporizers, and electronic pipes. Provisions relating to ENDS also extend to any component, liquid, part, or accessory of an ENDS, regardless of whether sold separately from the device. And despite the name, an item can qualify as an ENDS without regard to whether it contains or is intended to be used to deliver nicotine liquids that do not actually contain nicotine. So they can still be qualified as an ENDS as can the devices, parts, components, and accessories. So what we're talking about here is that it doesn't need to actually have nicotine in it, and it could still be considered an ENDS product. And based on what's happened here, an ENDS product is considered to be basically a cigarette. Yes, that is, that's exactly right. See, there you go, Brent, you summed it up right there. That's, and, and the challenge is, and I don't know if you want me to go into it right now, but, um, so that is really that, that broadening of the definition for ENDS. That is when I, I entered the equation um, working with stakeholders in the cannabis and the hemp CBD space because there it was so broad that, um, that the intention is now to sweep those products non-tobacco products into the tobacco regulation. So FDA, even though tobacco hasn't been regulated for all that long, FDA has a working definition for ENDS, as do many stateside state regulatory agencies. And when the USPS issued the proposed rule, 
those existing definitions and the, the commonplace or the common parlance of that of ends was not taken into consideration. And so not only now do you have the tobacco harm reduction industry and the stakeholders that are concerned about um, how are we going to get these devices to individuals that don't that can't walk into a store. You also have a large contingency from the cannabis and the hemp, hemp CBD industries that are very concerned as well. So your client then in this matter comes from the cannabis CBD side? Correct. That's exactly right. Well, I know for a lot of our viewers, you know, over the years too, it's been a larger, broader conversation in terms of how do uh, maybe the cannabis folks and the nicotine folks get together and help fight on the nicotine side as we're watching cannabis just sail on by through getting becoming legal as there's been a bit of a bewilderment going on because those in the tobacco harm reduction side are, have been seeing the demonization on nicotine just, you know, smash them. And, and this is what we're seeing. And, and you asked earlier, um, and I know that that has been a talking point on the tobacco side for a while. And one of the concerns on the cannabis and the hemp side is um, it's, you know, the industries really wanted to remain separate. In part, CBD, hemp CBD has wanted to remain independent of cannabis, even though it's from the same plant, just a, a different cultivar. But the tobacco harm reduction, tobacco interest stakeholders, and then uh, the cannabis side, those two industries really wanted to remain uh, separate. And so um, now we have, and I think this is one of the first proposed rules where it is really bringing those two industries together. And you asked earlier, Brent, as far as the purpose or what, you know, why, what's going on with this particular law. And it was pitched as we're going to keep these products out of the, out of the hands of kiddos. Yet, if you look at what's required under this bill, which would be multiple registrations, um, to do with ATF, both on the state level, some additional taxes, additional licensing. So it is, it's a revenue generator as well. And that, and the, certainly on the cannabis and the hemp side, these products are already subject to um, pretty, some pretty heavy state taxes. And so, as you know, what all that means though, every time a tax is imposed, it's passed on to the consumer or the end user. So this is indeed, I think, the first time that we've seen kind of co-action. Um, what does that co-action look like with regard to nicotine vaping products, cannabis CBD products joined together to fight vape mail? The language was enacted back in December of 2020. There was a proposed rule issued in February. There were certain deadlines for March. And then this particular deadline was in April of 2021. Um, the, the, the rule has not been finalized yet, and the, the two sponsoring senators, the one from Texas and one from California, they cut a letter to the Postmaster General, the USPS, and said, hey, hurry up with that final rule. You're behind schedule. Get on with it. Um, and we were, we were trying to do something behind the scenes to continue to engage with the, with the USPS. Um, and we've worked with other agencies, such as the Office of Advocacy, which within which is housed within the Small Business Administration. And um, I I can't say enough about them. They're uh, they're just a it's a brilliant 
opportunity for small businesses to tap in. It's an office of advocacy, and that's exactly what they do. They parse through proposed rules and regulations to make sure that small businesses aren't going to be disproportionately impacted. So they they have been key in this as well. So um, apologies for going off topic there. I just wanted to give them a shout out. So the so we had that letter go off to the postmaster general saying, hey, hurry up with that final rule. And it, what we were doing is trying to find common ground with the tobacco harm reduction stakeholders to join forces with the cannabis and hemp stakeholders to say, hey, what can we do on this? Because the main impact from this proposed rule is going to it's going to impact small businesses in a in a considerable way, in a significant way. And on the cannabis side, you have monthly reporting machines, uh, you know, the, the state, the whether it's their Department of Revenue or whichever state agency is tracking on the cannabis and the hemp side. They are they're pretty dialed in on on tracking product that's being sold, what kind of dollars are being generated. So we we have pretty a pretty good sense of the numbers for cartridges, um, hardware and different vape devices and the role that they play within the cannabis industry. And it's it's a notable figure. So um, so we, so we had that information and we played it through as far as um, the impact on small businesses. And that was the same, it, it translated to the same impact on the tobacco harm reduction side. So we cut, we cut a joint um, letter to the ranking member on the small business committee, on the Senate small business committee. And, and I'm gonna do a huge shout out for the Senator um, in response to our letter, what he did, but first I'll let you know the content of our letter, we had um, trade associations, law firms, individual brands, both in the cannabis and the tobacco harm, the vape shops that service in the tobacco harm reduction side, sign this letter. And it was, it was, uh, you know, saying, hey, Senate Small Business Committee, we're, we're having an issue here. Uh, several smaller businesses are going to be impacted by this um, by this proposed rule. And because we're dealing with the Postal Service, a lot of the uh, sort of stopgap measures or quality control measures, if you will, uh, to see the impact of a proposed rule, the Postal, postal Service thinks, claims that they're exempt from them. So that was a really clunky way of saying there are different things that we can do. And Brent, you're aware of this on state side as well, but you know, the Office of Management OMB is one measure, this economic impact analysis, and none of those measures were taken. And so that was the ask to the Senate Small Business Committee. Now, that letter, that's the one that's got uh, cannabis and nicotine um, stakeholders together signed on it, right? Correct. Right. And so now this is a letter that you all sent to Senator Rand Paul. That's correct. And just describe for us exactly what it is that you were trying to achieve here with Senator Paul. Uh, working the Hill on this particular issue, it was quite enlightening uh, because vaping in general is not a, I guess it's not a politically safe topic to pick up. It was, it was a challenge to find um, not even someone that would that would champion our cause, but just even someone that was willing to have a substantive conversation to understand the nuance of what this particular law and rule and the impact that they're having, both on the cannabis side and on the tobacco harm reduction side. And so uh, Senator Paul, Dr. Paul has worked on this issue for several years. And um, 
Yeah, so we sent we sent the letter to him in part because, as you know, and um, there are a lot of spending packages that are coming out of DC right now. We've had a lot of stimulus packages and a lot of spending packages, and now we have to pay for all of that. And so taxing, 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 tax, and let's regulate and tax things. Um, and so we we are seeing a lot of that. And so it's it was a means to raise an alarm. Um, and you know, on the on a semi side note, in the cannabis industry, this issue is front and center for individuals that are that work with vape devices. For the broader industry, in part because they're covered up with so many other issues and trying to stay afloat and keep their doors open, that this is not a burning issue for the broader cannabis industry. It is it is for the vape manufacturers and the vape and the dispensaries and the um, the companies that are the suppliers for the for the different dispensaries. And so, um, as much as uh, you know, all of these very generous packages are coming out coming out of DC, now we have to pay for them. And the taxes, uh, which are already being imposed on the state level, and now we're gonna overlay, and, I, and this is specific to the cannabis industry, but you know, you have some pretty hefty taxes on the cannabis side on the state level, and now we're gonna put in some tobacco regulations on the cannabis side, which are some other, which are some steep federal excise taxes as well. So the objective was, um, you know, sounding the alarm bell, let's try to get, some sympathetic ears. Uh, in part, you know, we have a midterm election coming up, and um, if you're going to support the cannabis industry, yet you're not going to support the stakeholders and the service providers within the cannabis industry, we will. You know, I mean, it's, it's an issue that we can take up at midterms, and so yeah, it was to try to, you know, raise the issue with the small business committee, and fortunately, uh, Dr. Paul took note. So how big then is the vape side in cannabis? Because, I mean, obviously in the vaping industry for nicotine vaping, it's the whole ball of wax. But for the cannabis side, is it just a small portion? Um, you know, that's a really interesting question to try to put a percentage on it. And every state reports differently. Their line items are very different in how they break down products and, um, and sales. Michigan specifically, uh, which Michigan has been like in the top, certainly the top three, if not the top two states in revenue generating from the cannabis side. And for example, uh, and I don't want to, it was like $30 million for one month for, for cartridges. And there were a few other add-ons on there. So um, it, it's a significant sum and that's one month, one state. So it is, it's a, it's real money. It's real it's money generated already. Yeah, for sure. So you were saying, and not surprisingly, you were having a hard time getting meetings with uh, politicians in Washington, D.C. to sit down and listen to the complaint about vape mail. Yeah, you know, you know that's exactly right. And it's and I um, so even though I came at this from the can the cannabis side, working with uh, you know, lawyers and different brands on the tobacco harm reduction side. I, 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 yeah, it was, it was pretty remarkable. And considering the great work that's been going on on the, I'll say the THR, the tobacco harm reduction side and the, um, 
you know, just no willingness to even look at the science, look at the data. There have been a lot of reports coming out. So you have you have on the technical side to support the tobacco harm reduction conversation. And it, it and that's been a lift to get politicians to take that data and those studies seriously. I was coming at it from a pure economic side on the cannabis and the hemp side. And it, and, it, and it was and it was still a challenge, even for the ones that publicly face and say they, they support the cannabis industry. So there's a question looming that I'm sure many have, many of our viewers have right now watching this, is that did you possibly get any pushback from the nicotine vaping side because you are cannabis vaping and for the most part, the Evali issue, which has decimated uh, the nicotine vaping industry, which is piling on so much of this regulatory burden, it, you know, comes from the cannabis side. And so, you know, I can tell you that most on the nicotine side, you know, have a lot of recrimination for those on the cannabis vaping side. Yeah, for sure. And, and completely understandable. And, and I, and that was, um, even though there were a lot of signatures on that letter, certain stakeholders opted not to sign for that very reason. And, you, you know, I get it. I, I totally get it. And I think, um, you, you know, for the, the for the and I, of course, I don't want to speak beyond the scope of the letter on why people signed, but there it's really push comes to shove right now. I, you know, to if we don't. Um, Okay, well, let me let me say this. There are additional pieces of federal legislation with additional excise taxes to go after ends, tobacco, and these types of devices. So if we don't really get vocal now on something with the USPS proposed rule, um, I think that that domino effect, which you've been so eloquent in describing all the different domino effects when it comes to these types of products, that it is what will happen um, you will end up with one or two brands within the entire space. The fortunes for both industries are now tied together. Yeah, yeah, and yes, at least on this particular issue. And as we, you know, um, we just had the first comprehensive cannabis reform bill. And when I say comprehensive, because there was a regulatory backstop to it versus just let's take cannabis off from a scheduled substance and um, and then within that bill there will be several social justice measures but this was the first or it'll just be a banking bill or it'll be veterans access but this is so we had a comprehensive cannabis bill being introduced and um, interestingly not surprisingly because there are people that would like to see cannabis regulated either like alcohol or like tobacco products. And so it, this could be either the start of the merging of those industries or um, it's something to that effect. And so right now, I think it's in both industries to remain very independent in part because of the issue that you've already shared. There's, there is, um, I think very much so with, with politicians and the naysayers for the tobacco harm reduction measures when they push back on that, that's what they point to. They point to that very challenging time. And so just to keep everyone independent right now, I think it would behoove both industries. But this was a common goal because both stakeholders, the small businesses from both sides are going to be impacted by this proposed rule. So you both sides uh, joined together. You just released a, a letter um, just about a month ago to Senator Paul 
um, and you've stirred up some some advocacy on his part. And then he sent out a letter to uh, the United States Postal Service. Describe what that letter was. Yes, and again, along with the Office of Advocacy and and being um, forever grateful for their work, it was a tremendous amount of gratitude to Dr. Paul for issuing this letter. So what Dr. Paul did, he from the cannabis side, our issue has been the overly broad definition of ENDS that is sweeping in the non-tobacco vape devices and products. And so he addressed the scope of the proposed rule and then the impact that the that this rule is going to have on small businesses and the customers. And he was very explicit in addressing um, what will happen on the tobacco, tobacco harm reduction side for the individuals that that don't have access, whether they're in a rural area or they they just don't have access, and and that is really helpful because it has been as we've as we've touched on it was uh, it's been difficult to try to find an ally or sympathetic. Um, sympathetic voice on the hill for for what we're trying to accomplish here. So it was yeah, tremendous gratitude for Dr. Paul. We I don't believe he's received a response yet. Uh, what we do know is so that final rule was supposed to be issued in late April and it hasn't. We know that thousands, 15 or 16,000 comments had been filed. The uh, another interesting thing about the Postal Service is there this quasi-federal agency as far as government oversight. It's sort of limited. There is oversight, but it's somewhat hands-off. And so we do not have access to those comments yet. They're, they have not been made public. And until the rule is final, we we won't know what was all said in those 15 or 16,000 comments. We have a pretty good sense. And a lot of industry stakeholders, of course, filed comments. And so hopefully with all these different pressure points coming in from industry, um, with Dr. Paul's letter, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a bit of an interesting point in that the USPS does not have to post uh, public comments that have come in on this process. So it's they don't have this set up on, you know, regulations.gov, which we're familiar with as being a place to go where there's a process of public consultation. So while they took the consultation, it's really only one-sided. They don't have to actually reveal what was said. Why then have they held up issuing the final rule? Yeah, that's that's another excellent question. And this is a little bit from, from my um, contact with the agency and then a little bit speculation. I would like to think that that the Postal Service is is trying to reconcile um, on the cannabis side, they are trying to reconcile or fine tune their definition of electronic nicotine delivery systems to align with FDA's, to align with how what other state agencies and how other state agencies are using that term. That would benefit on the cannabis and the hemp side. On the tobacco harm reduction side, I would like, to, I mean, I'm hopeful that they are also taking into account the impact on what they initially proposed on small businesses and for the individuals that are in rural communities or just don't have access. So I, I'm, I'm hopeful that the Postal Service is um, not necessarily pro-business, but just trying to be pragmatic and more common sense about this versus let's sweep in everything um, and make this as complicated as possible. 
Now, I, I think there would be one concern here would be that there could be diverging interests at some point here, because if the Postal Service, you know, redid the definition and basically said cannabis products aren't included in this definition, well, then your side is, you know, off the hook and then nicotine's still in the same boat. Well, yes, no, that is, that is true. Um, that is true. And, you know, and, and the flip is, no, that is true. I, it, it is true. And, and I would like to think that maybe there's been a little bridging of some ill will of, um, in other words, if the tobacco harm reduction side ever needed anything from something on the cannabis side that, that the cannabis side would support them or cheer for them, whatever it took to keep all of the small businesses going. Yeah, because it definitely sounds like what's holding this rule up is the fact that there's been a massive push over the last 10 years to legalize recreational use of cannabis products across the country. And that's really taken hold. I mean, it's a really a forward moving thing. And then this rule gets passed and all of a sudden, oh my God, cannabis is getting caught up in this. And that's where the pressure is coming down on the postal service. And so likelihood here and all likelihood is that they're just going to exempt cannabis products and nicotine vaping products are going to still suffer vape mail. Yeah, well, gosh, I, and I hope that's not the case. The, in addition to what else I'm hopeful that the postal service is doing right now, there are different types of exemptions for um, for this role, this B to B, and maybe there'll be something in there on the B to C side. Again, I'm speculating, but maybe there'll be some a little more generous with their exemptions, which it's that's not a straightforward fix. You still have to go through applications and approvals, and so it's still a bit of a cluster. But um, yeah, I I just I would like to think that the postal service is took note and understands it would it will be interesting to know of the all the thousands of comments that were filed how many came from the cannabis side and i think a majority came from the on the tobacco side and so hopefully hopefully those requests and comments were heard well so you're not going to throw you know nicotine off you know under the bus no 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 absolutely not and it no no definitely not and uh and interestingly going through this i um i i have a um, i'm a bit more not sympathetic but um like i wasn't i wasn't very engaged on it uh, from the uh, on the on the tobacco side but now that i really understand what's going on and the service and the good that is coming from this and listening to people, people have reached out and they've shared their personal stories. And and it is so frustrating. And I know individuals such as yourself, where you've been engaged on this for several years, when people have a benefit from something and yet regulations just continue to make it either more challenging or completely eliminate the option to even have access, it is it is incredibly frustrating. And of course, that's something that we're just coming off off that cycle now on the cannabis side because of you know the story with cannabis and it not being accessible even on the medical side, which is you know really where I come from. Um, it is, yeah, I mean, you've you've had incredible fortitude to carry to carry that. But after people have shared their stories, well, uh, I am hopeful that that maybe a few more members will will understand and be willing to be public facing and help the cause. Well, you're fighting the good fight, Tammy. 
Well, as you are, as you are, you've I've listened to some of your to some of your other interviews, and 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 that's what it took. It took it just took time. I mean, for me to just kind of go in and listen to things, because once you listen to it, it is you have you have data, you have reports, you have the technical, um, both from. Uh, data over on use and the impact from that and you actually can show a reduction in um, tobacco usage you actually have data to support that so hopefully hopefully something will turn i don't have a crystal ball and i wish i did and i wish i had more fairy dust that i could sprinkle around dc but we're giving it a go you know the the big challenge is right now let's just keep as many small businesses as we can in business these are local economies that are being impacted so at this time you know, both industries are in on this together and we'll see what that final rule looks like.